This episode is brought to you by Johnny Walker. Hello and welcome to the Diageo Bar Academy podcast, Bar Chat. Join me, your host, Tristan Stevenson, as I chat to some of the biggest and best names in the industry on a whole range of bar-related topics. Blends are about an expansion of all these different flavours. So by their nature, the great blends are more complex spirits than single malts. There's a broad spectrum of people enjoying whiskey. If you look at Asia now, everyone thinks that it's prestige and it's conservative, and it is, but also they're drinking highballs around every corner bar. Here we are in the studio with Mr. Dave Broom. Hello. And Mr. Irvin Trakowski. Hello. How are you guys? Yeah, good, man. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I Hi. appreciate you both coming in. Uh, I mean, you've both had to travel to get here, hey? And Dave, you're Brighton, right? Aye, not exactly very far. No. And no. Irvin, you are a little bit further. Uh, yeah, I travelled from 2008. <laughs> 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 from a different country. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dave, you don't sound like you're from Brighton. You're originally Glaswegian. Right? I am indeed originally Glaswegian. Yeah. And somehow I haven't lost the accent. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yes, so, so don't cross me. <laughs> it's quite a hard accent to lose. It is. Even when you pick it up by accident. Like, can't, can't shake it. Ever plans to move back to Scotland, Dave? Uh, yes. Uh, we've actually got a wee plot of land in Isla, and we're going to be building a house there. So just a house? Or just a house. Maybe no, a no distillery? More, no, more, no more distillery. <laughs> too many of those. Uh, no, just a house. Uh, might grow some barley, but, but, but just a house. Uh, so that is in that's in the offing. Oh, is it? Yeah. Imagine that. That'll be a release at some point. Brooms barley. <laughs> <laughs> that will definitely happen. I can see it already. <laughs> Got to pay for that extension. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, it means you'll be close proximity to all the distilleries up there as well. That'll be handy for getting around to pick up a few bottles. Yeah, it'll be really cool. Uh, we're only about I think there's six houses between us and Canada. Uh, so, so it, oh wow! It, so, so it gets quite a lot of weather. Any books in the on the go at the moment? Uh, I'm doing a kind of narrative-led look at whiskey and place in Scotland, mm. uh, which could be quite nice. And then on the complete rewrite of the Whiskey Atlas. Again. Again. Uh, well, yeah, the, the other ones can update. This is like, there's so many distilleries. It's going to be a complete rewrite. So. That, that Whiskey Atlas, though, it's like painting the fourth road bridge. It is. Like, uh, yeah. As soon as you finish writing it, you've got to start all over. Oh, I mean, you know, well, you know what it's like yourself, mm-hmm. Tristan. You know, as soon as you write something like that, it's out of date. Yeah, uh, so you just got to accept that fact. But uh, yeah, so that's going to keep me busy for the next three years. And you're busy as well, aren't you, uh, being a dad at yeah. the moment? Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm currently. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm currently on daddy daycare um, for um, five months, which is nice. So no travelling for, for five whole months, which is really, really weird. Like, when you're used to, like, every week being like, it's people come up to you being like, where are you going this week? And all of a sudden you just, like, go to the co-op and, like, <laughs> sit on the couch and watch... Got to pick up some wet wipes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> honestly, you wouldn't believe it. It's it's really full-on. Like, I'm trying to figure out the formula machine. Because your normal day job when you're not being a dad and changing nappies, you're Singleton Global Ambassador, right? Yeah, yeah, so I think when when I come back in, in March, they've done a, we've done a wee bit of work on, on my role and I'm going to be the global new age Scotch whiskey ambassador. Yeah. Which is kind of like, I wear a t-shirt instead of a shirt, have an Instagram account and use words like rad to describe expensive whiskies. But you've kind of made that like job title for yourself already, haven't you? Because you're, a, I mean, like you're a bit of a whiskey punk, aren't you? You're not the sort of traditional Scotch whiskey ambassador with, you know kind of tweed um, yeah, I can't, waistcoat and that kind of thing I kind of deliberately throw the toys at the pram yeah. for that very reason I mean it's there's a there's more there's more than 
there's room for more than one type of ambassador in Scotch whisky, and for for years it was the the tweed cap sitting in front of the fire, regaling the story of of years gone by and ritual and things, which is an amazing way to enjoy Scotch. But there are people behind the world's best bars, and they're always never quite sure what to do with Scotch. So I try and speak to them. I always say that my favourite thing about my job is getting that eureka moment, getting that white bulb when you see someone like going, actually, I've just told you I hate Scotch, and now. Actually, I, I actually like that one, and that actually is something that most people don't like. But I'm like, yes, like we've won, we've turned it around. So yeah, I kind of try and speak to people that aren't encyclopedic Scotch experts. Mm. But Dave, I mean, you you kind of do that as well. You sort of traverse two different kind of approaches to this, in my opinion, because you are like an idol to many whiskey geeks the world over, and I'm talking about the kind of people that know the angle of the line arms and mm. every distillery in Scotland. And would never dream of wh- mixing whiskey. Yeah. And yet you are also, by your own admission, a heretic. And you truly believe that whiskey should be mixed and enjoyed any way you like it. Yeah, so absolutely. how do you kind of wear both those hats uh, so successfully? Because I want to copy you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought you were. Right. <laughs> step, uh, by, step by step, no, please. I, 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 I think you just have to be absolutely honest and... You know, it, it's great talking to geeks, and I, I, I love talking to geeks because I like you know we're all geeks. The three of us are, are all whiskey geeks, but in some ways, it's quite easy to talk to the geeks uh, because they do want to know the angle and line arm and and all of that stuff. But to be perfectly honest, it doesn't really matter uh, because what really matters about whiskey is how you enjoy it, how you drink it, and what the flavour is. Uh, so I think I think the more interesting. More interesting work is actually getting people into the whiskey tent rather than talking to people who are already inside it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not uh, denigrating them in any way whatsoever. Uh, but it's far, it's far more exciting. You know, exactly what Irv was saying. It, it's to find, get that moment where somebody has said, I don't like whiskey, and, and they go, oh, wow, I, I never knew whiskey could be like this, and all you've done is add some soda water to it. Uh, that that's fantastic, yeah, and and it's happening. You know, it's I've you know, just been at two whiskey shows over the past couple of weeks. You look at the way in which people are approaching whiskey. You look at the way the way bartenders are approaching whiskey. Mm. Uh, a whole new generation of people are are interested in whiskey, but they're interested in it in a different way. Great, I you think know? how they come on board with things now is completely different as well. Like people that are trying to get into Scotch whiskey are not really likely to walk into a supermarket and pick up and take that risk on that bottle of 40 or 50 or 60 pound malt but if you've got this access point which is the bar and you have a bartender that's able to talk to you in an engaging and an inspirational way then you're probably likely to try it and I think it's the, the access point for whiskey I'm noticing it's not it has changed but it's just kind of diversified a bit it's not really that moment when you've had it a million times being from Scotland where you get that family member who goes go on son drink that Right. <laughs> that's not so much there anymore and it's people are experiencing it in new ways which is exciting and it's almost like you you don't tell people it's whiskey uh, you know uh, because it, I think folk have still got these preconceived ideas about what whiskey is and the fact that they think that they won't like it uh, you just give them a good drink yeah folk had that same preconception about gin 15 20 years ago as Absolutely. well right and look Absolutely. at the, look at the state of that category now yeah I, I think we've also been really eurocentric about about the whole the whole whiskey business but then if if you went to brazil or you went to the far east or whatever 
it was always being drunk, you know, bottle on the table, bucket of ice, and diluted. Mm. And that was the way it was consumed. Like, if you look at Asia now, it's quite... Everyone thinks that it's prestige and it's conservative, and it is. But also, they're drinking highballs around every, in every corner bar. My favourite Johnny Walker highball is uh, quite easy. It's just it's with ginger ale, a little bit of uh, a red vermouth if you want to, and some uh, orange bitter. I'm a big fan of highballs in general. I mean, I'm a big whiskey soda drinker. I like red label and soda. And it's a fantastic drink. In Kenya, we really, really love Johnny Walker and we love whiskey. But having that long mixed drink occasion with uh, Johnny Walker is fantastic. It's not super smoky. It's not very super overly fruity. It's an accessible, uh, nice quality whiskey. What do you think has been the catalyst for the change in bartenders' view of whiskey's placement in mixed drinks and the brand's view of the whiskey's placement in mixed drinks. I think that, that Dave kind of summed it up. It's, obviously, it will come from a need and we need to diversify whiskey. But I think for a lot of it, although we have a strategy that we need to we need to get into, into more bars and we need to get bartenders, you know, it's the bartenders that kind of take it and run with it and it will kind of evolve through them. You've got these distilleries on the remote west coast outcrops. You go into the heart of Speyside and you've got rolling hills and you've got all these pioneers that started whiskey distilleries. That's your story, right? And then the second thing you have is flavour. And seeing some of the stuff that was going on at World Class was was yeah. epic. Mm-hmm. Like the creativity these bartenders have. And that's what you want when you've got any yeah, spirits yeah. brand. It, it was... Yeah, I think it was, it was a whole num- number of different things. You know, I remember sort of doing doing bartender training for you know a few decades now and initially it was you were almost like chasing down the street going please just try this whiskey mm. and then it kind of morphed into well we kind of there seems to be a bit of movement in single malt so we have to have a selection single malt and it was pretty dry academic stuff about this is what and I think the way that, that we were teaching I think the way that the industry was, was talking about whiskey was still alienating uh, to bartenders because even though we were saying <laughs> you know well, how 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 should I drink whiskey? Well, drink whiskey any way you want. That, that's still useless. You, you still need to go. Well, actually, try this way or try that way. And I think it could be the highball. You know, the, I think highballs certainly for not no, not for bartenders such as yourself, Tris, because you you were you were in already. Mm. But I think from from a wider point of view, mm. that was the permission. That that was actually well. Look, here is a drink which we have made and we think you will like. And boom, uh, off it goes. And yes, and people are looking for flavour. It's a generational shift as well. Mm. You know, uh, the the generation who are now getting turned on to whiskey, their parents probably didn't drink whiskey. Their grandparents might not have drunk whiskey as mm. well. Same as their parents and grandparents probably didn't drink gin. Mm. So suddenly, it's an, it's this completely new wild crazy category which yes has provenance and yes has has flavor and it you know all of that plays right into whiskey's wheelhouse right into whiskey's wheelhouse is good <laughs> that's right good I, I, I think because we're whiskey geeks we and because whiskey has gone through a fairly tough time until relatively recently uh as soon as somebody expresses a, a scintilla of interest in whiskey we immediately want to splurge every p- single piece of information we've ever known about whiskey. So excited on, to tell you about this. Someone's asked. We're talking about warts, we're talking about fermentation times and angles of line arms and copper A new initiate. And, Let's indoctrinate oh. them into the cult immediately. <laughs> and, and the poor bartender is kind of going, ah, you know, all of this stuff that I'm being given, all of this is completely surplus. For the vast majority of, of drinkers and for the vast majority of bartenders, what they need to know is, what does it taste like? And, and conceivably, where, where is it from? How do you use it? Uh, that's all they need to know, and that's probably all the, the customer really wants to know. Mm. They want to know what, what the flavour is. So I think, as an industry, and I, I would count myself as being part of that, we really need to kind of spin everything around and 
talk flavour and talk in a really, really simple but not patronising way and, and build it up from there. Yeah, everyone just understands what fruity means, everyone understands what smoky means, they, they know if they like it or they don't. Um, and that's, I mean, I think that's one of the great things about mixing whiskey as well because, as we know, there's a massive, diverse range of flavours from all over Scotland um, that you can choose from. And as bartenders, and I, you know, I think the, the whiskey cocktails have grown up with the current renaissance in sort of bartending and cocktail culture. Bartenders want great tasting ingredients and they want ingredients that, you know, sing and shout about flavour and are perhaps a little bit abstract or weird because that then gives them a sort of starting point for mixing a drink and adding other flavours and modifying it and supplementing them. Yeah, I mean, it adds complexity. I mean, if you have a complex base, then you know, the ways in which you can spin it are, are, are absolutely huge. Mm. I mean, know? everything's coming from that consumer trend that's like everything is getting way more ingredient focused chefs are talking about which and farms their animals come from we're talking about types of barley it's like bartenders it tastes like stuff yeah. and, and selling the flavor is really important i mean banging on this for years you know i walk into whiskey bars and the majority of whiskey bars have things either by region uh, and they might have if they don't have it by region then they have it alphabetical and I, I've never walked into a bar thinking, tonight I'm going to have a G. <laughs> I, I really need to cover just... the middle of the alphabet a little bit more. I've been neglecting it. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. I know. Well, it serves yeah. only the bar itself. Like, it's yeah. easy to find it's things. It's good for stock Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Johnny Walker. Still to come, and to sort of balance some of that sweetness, bring around some more whiny notes, which are also present within the whiskey. Um, we're going to add a little bit of Fino Sherry as well. My twist on a Johnny Walker Highball serve that is really quick and easy to make. For now, let's get back to the chat. I'm going to ask you, Dave, where you think malt whiskey is appropriate in cocktails and where you think blends are. I, I would, I would talk, up, talk up blends. Uh, the great blends, I would say, give you a very interesting base. By all means, use both, but, yeah. but don't ignore blends, for goodness sake. I know, I've, I've heard you before, Evan... Um, describe blends versus malts as shapes. So it'd be from you, wasn't it? Oh, was it? <laughs> oh dear. Right, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we know where Evan gets all his material from. He rips everything. Off. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. so blends would be a circle, and malts yeah. would be a triangle yeah. or a square yeah. or something yeah. that's a bit more jaggedy edge. Yeah, that, that was mine. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would sort of summarise what you both said by saying that perhaps blends have more versatility in mixed drinks but there are certain specific examples where you really need the intensity or the kind of abstract quality um, of a single malt mm -hmm. in order to bring a certain style of flavour like something I don't know heavily sherried or like you say maritime characteristics or perhaps a lot of smoke like if you see if you think about it like in the most basic level most people that get into whiskey it's by drinking whiskey and coke right or whiskey and cola um, and it's always just what's up on the gantry, especially in Scotland. It's that big bottle with whatever label it is on it, and you get the 35 mil, and you get the semi-flat cola, and it's awful. And it's like, no wonder people don't like scotch. But, I mean, the scotch and cola is, is a classic, and it can actually be really well if you just think about it like you think about any other cocktail. Yeah. Let's establish what a highball is, then. Uh, <laughs> spirit drink lengthened with, with a carbonated... Soft drink. So it's got to be yeah. fizzy. Yeah, it's got to be fizzy. Got to be fizzy. Got and got to be in a tall glass, in a highball glass. Well, if you have one. And it's got to be served <laughs> over ice. It can't be served straight up, but long no, and fizzy. No, 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 no. It has to be. Has can, to be it, it, can it be flat? 
Why can't it? What about, what about a Mizuari? So the Japanese serve of water stirred down with whiskey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that a highball. You wouldn't call that a highball. No, I would call that a Mizuari. Mizuari. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a name, Tristan. Lucky, it. lucky it's already got a name for itself, isn't it? <laughs> so whiskey and coconut water, we mm. wouldn't class as a highball either then? Uh, technically not. It's yeah. really good carbonated coconut water yeah, and carbonated. Johnny Walker Black yeah, is carbonated coconut water yeah. Yeah. I remember being on that an Aeromexico flight and literally I was looking through the, the brochure and she was just like Johnny Walker Black label tick <laughs> coconut water tick it's just like 40,000 feet I was just like this is the best day ever <laughs> as long as the coconut water is cold Really mm. cool. Otherwise, it tastes like miso soup. I, th- <laughs> <laughs> it totally does. I think coconut water is one of the world's great mixing, yeah. like yeah. lengthening liquids. It's, there's something about it. It must be the combination of like slight salinity, slight sweetness, and also the texture of it, where it's able to lengthen out spirits. And I'm not just talking about whiskey here. I'm talking about spirits in general. And you never lose the character of the spirit. In fact, in many ways, it sort of heightens it. And yet, you are diluting it at the same time. Yeah. And I don't know of any other mixer that can really do that so yeah. well. And I think if you've got fruits, kind of, kind of fresh, fruity characters, mm. it really works. So here's a twist on a classic Johnny Walker highball. Highball being a long drink served in a long glass over ice with a little bit of carbonation to it. Um, so we start, of course, with Johnny Walker Black Label. We're going to put 35 mil into the glass, which is already loaded with cubed ice. Then we're going to add a splash of elderflower cordial. So we're going to bring out some of the more floral notes in the whiskey, um, and obviously add a little bit of sweetness as well to this drink. So I'm just putting 10 ml of elderflower cordial in there. Um, and to sort of balance some of that sweetness, bring around sort of more winey notes which are also present within the whiskey. Um, we're going to add a little bit of fino sherry as well and that's going to give us a little bit of nuttiness, some dryness and some subtle dried fruit qualities that are going to pair really nicely with the elderflower. So I'm putting 15ml of fino sherry in there and then finally we're going to top up with tonic water. What that's going to do is add a little bit more sweetness, some acidity as well, and then a touch of bitterness as well, which is really going to round off that sherry characteristic and kind of pair it nicely with the whiskey. So this is a nice, light, refreshing summer highball, really. Those sort of dried fruit, floral characteristics pairing really nicely with the fruitiness of the whiskey. So top that up, just give it a gentle stir. Pop a lemon slice in there, and you're ready to go. Any more tips for highballs? If, like, bartenders who are trying to create their own highballs, what is permitted modifications of highballs or ice um, technique of building them, stirring them, anything like that? I think the biggest thing and the biggest... The, the only thing you can really go wrong with with a highball is warm mixers. It's fridge space. Um, it needs to be cold. You can do things like... I mean, essentially, if you write a great thing on a menu, people are going to order it, right? And it's like all these rare and... Um, in fact, you know what? All these sodas, right? It's like bars make their own soda water. 
right? Do you remember being in, were we in Kiev? Mm. And we, walk, we were walking into some bars and it was just like, it was all these amazingly elaborate, fantastic tasting sodas, right? Made from soda siphons, but they're all flat, right? Yeah, they weren't carbonated correctly. And they were weren't they? carbonated incorrectly. And I mean, the, the things that a highball needs to be is cold, refreshing and, and fizzy, mm. right? So using things like cordials, and just using really good quality premium soda mm. rather than going to all the effort to infuse your own water and siphon it properly is a fantastic way to go about it. And it holds for much longer as well. It's, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say cordials and cold fizzy soda um, and Johnny Walker Black Label exclusively. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I would rather be served a highball made with tap water than one that suggests it's supposed to be fizzy but is actually nearly flat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? It's so disappointing to receive that and get that kind of feeble texture on the palate and you're like, ugh, why bother? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's change the subject slightly. Um, we, we've been talking about like how you might go about getting people excited about Scotch whisky, how you get that initial aha moment of, oh, wow, this is a versatile drink, I can drink it neat, it's got a you know, diversity of flavours to it. I can explore malts and blends. Do you guys, can you guys share with us any personal kind of eureka moments that you had when you were perhaps getting into the industry or even more recently where you've gone, wow, you know, something that's surprising and something that has elevated your passion for it, your interest or intrigue? Initially, like for me, it was the first person that told me that I, I could, it was a bit of ice, makes a difference and it shows how that if you had just the simplest little thing it kind of breaks down the barrier between you it makes it a wee bit colder adds a wee bit more dilution and that was what really made me go wait a minute i actually do like this stuff i think the thing that continues to amaze me is kicking about judging world-class finals and in various markets and seeing the the lengths that people push scotch to um is absolutely ridiculous um it's so hard to even say one particular, like, aha. Mm-hmm. But every time you go out to a country and you see someone tell their own Scotch story, that's what's the most amazing thing, telling their story and making you this drink that you would have never obviously made yourself. Um, we're quite lucky to get quite a few eureka moments from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think in some ways it's context and associating with, with the place. Mm. Uh, you know, like being on Isla and, you know, sitting on the beach on Isla and you're surrounded by seaweed and salt and everything, you're drinking a dram, you kind of go, oh, my God, you know, everything around me is in this glass. Mm-hmm. That's an aha moment. Uh, and, and But equally, and I remember one in, in South Africa and we'd, we'd driven an insanely long way just to get to the ocean, uh, to the Indian Ocean, uh, and had a bottle of whiskey with us. And we're just walking, uh, paddling in the Indian Ocean as the sun was going down and it was just perfect mm. and, and that was an aha moment because you know it was a very non-whiskey moment you know this is not for normal well, it's not normal behaviour anyway really, <laughs> but, but you know it, 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 it kind of it took whiskey out of that oh yeah it has to be leather armchairs uh, moment which into yes you can just you know have it not quite as a tiki drink but but you know it was there that, that was an amazing aha moment for me I think there's something in that like there's certain places in Scotland that is just that are just magical to drink whiskey, and it's part of the allure, and it's why people travel ten to eight to six thousand miles, however far it is, to come to Scotland and stand on the lighthouse at Port Ellen, right. or stand on the beach at Car at Car Boston. It's like 
Scotland is literally like one great big whiskey Instagram post. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like I've climbed up the old band of store and drank the thing. Aye. Um, Aye, yeah. because, because uh, yeah, the thing that's kind of obsessing me about whiskey at the moment uh, is, is this idea of place. Mm. You know, that, that, you know, it is a manifestation of place, it's a manifestation of culture. That, you know, when you are drinking that single malt whiskey uh, in situ, it is this, you know. It's about more than just that liquid. It's about more about all that that kind of scientific process. It's it's it, it, the it, it, there's a on. visceral, there's a visceral quality to the to whiskey. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it speaks to your heart. Uh, yeah, and, and people and, as well, and, right? and that, that's really really important. You know that we we we. we we tend to drink whiskey with our heads rather than our hearts, mm. uh, and we need to start drinking whiskey with our hearts. Yeah, and, and the people as well as place, right? I mean, when the liquid we get in a bottle is a result of a blender's decision to mix this cask with that cask or this distillery with this distillery. And so, in a way, you're kind of appreciating someone's personal perspective of what whiskey should and could taste like. And this yeah. is why when you, know, you travel away from Scotland and you see other countries producing malt whiskies, you get that regional or national take Dying. on the spirit Dying. itself, you know, which is brilliant. I mean, you've you've obviously travelled extensively around Japan, and uh, you know, there's a it's a different style of spirit that's made there that is more Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, and you know, I always say Japan makes the best Japanese whiskey in the world, mm. and Scotland makes the best Scotch. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, it sounds glib, but it's really important. You know, the, the, the approach their whiskey making in subtly different ways to to Scotland mm. while using the same equipment, the same principles. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the, 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 everything impinges on it in, in some way. Yeah. And that's what's glorious about whiskey is, is variety. You know, it, it's not just this kind of one note. Uh, you know, it's not trying to find variations on juniper and, and you know, much as I love gin, you know, it's you know there is a limited palette there. Yeah. Uh, whereas whiskey, you know, it's enormous. It's, like, it's enormous. It's like when you travel around Scotland, it's like every like if you look at some of the look the distiller the distilleries that have the towns that have distilleries, it's just like the town really should shouldn't be there. Right. And it exists as a result of the fact that they produce this one unique style of whiskey that they've been producing there for a couple of hundred years that a town has flourished around. And it's why we have so many of these amazing places to visit all over the four corners of Scotland. It's wicked. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would say definitely some of my best aha moments have been when I've been at a distillery and meeting a distiller or appreciating the area around the distillery. And then, of course, you read up on it and the history of it and... It, you you come to appreciate and admire how this anomaly has come to exist. This strange place with its copper pot stills and um, warehouses full of wooden barrels, and you kind of get to drink all of that in, literally and sort of metaphorically, whilst you're there. And it sort of heightens the experience for me, getting to visit all these places. Dave. How many bottles of whiskey have you got in your house? Oh, yeah, because well, the, 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 <laughs> I bet you've got more than me. Well, in my you house, can definitely win that one, yeah. In my house, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I've got lots of wee ones. Uh, I dug out Ben Rennes 2009. Uh, so it was a 23-year-old. And, and this is a distillery that's kind of famous for these big, sulfurous, meaty... Yeah, it, it's big, huge... Yeah, yeah, just a big beast of, beast of a dram. Uh, and because it's a big beast of a dram, it it can actually cope with sherry casks. And it was par- partial distillation as well, so that even the distillate's quite yeah, sizable. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. 
And that's all Belter. all European. It's all 100% first full sherry. Yeah, and for there's a, 23 it, years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's shown in the colour like as sherry. well. I mean, it's, it's a dark whiskey. It's pretty yeah. much the same colour as the Smoky Cookie. Yeah. <laughs> I remember describing this whiskey up at um, a, there's a castle up in Scotland called Dorna Castle. It's like a famous whiskey bar. I remember us nosing that whiskey and being like, "This smells like the paint aisle and B and Q." And literally, it was just like I remember the, the guy who owned the castle turning around and going, "Aye, if the paint aisle had loads of sherry casks in it, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a unique outlet of B and Q, wouldn't it?" <laughs> <But> Shut up, Irvin. <laughs> But it's got, I mean, it, there's still that kind of tiny little kind of sulfury thing in there, but it's, it's got sweet, rich, dark fruits, it's mm. got chocolate, it's black cherry, it's got that meaty thing uh, running through it. You can still tell it's Ben Rennes. Uh, yeah, it's my favourite old Ben Rennes, this one. I just think it's an absolute belter. I think a lot of people that you talked about this that have been lucky enough to try this whiskey say exactly the same thing. It's a world away from being fresh, if you oh, have to I, describe I, it. It's I, like... I, you can feel how it sticks yeah. to your mouth. It's like, yeah, it's amazing. I know it's occasion as well. What <laughs> kind of food would you be eating <laughs> when you were using this as an aperitif? Do we uh, think? <laughs> uh, yak. <laughs> you definitely have problems with your digestive system. <laughs> yeah, quite definitely yak. It's it it literally noses like a sherry though, and then yeah. it's just like that big punch mm. of concentrated. Yeah. Why was that? I've not tried that in ages. Yeah, I know. It's right good. Yeah. I, was really, you, you, I was really pleased to find that box. If you give, if if someone gave you that blind and didn't give you a a a, a genre, like probably not pleasant company. You you might call that as a rum. Yeah, you could say it was a rum. Like, right, yeah, yeah. it, it was kind of uh, branded Hereth or or something. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't necessarily go go risk it. Yeah, no. absolutely. Yeah, this is packed full of distillery characteristic and that's yeah. a product of place let's begin Ooh, yeah. to kind of tie this up um i want to know how where, where you sort of view the near and distant future of scotch whiskey what do we see as being the kind of next trends we've talked a little bit about highballs but you know are we going to see a you know a really big comeback for blended whiskies perhaps in in bars in, in use in cocktails what if you're going to look into a crystal ball what do you see I think uh, there's some really fascinating innovations taking place in Scotch at the moment. Uh, there's five distilleries doing rye. There's one distillery just done oats. Uh, there's lots of experimentation going on with wood, uh, different roastings, different yeasts. So it's almost as if Scotch has kind of woken up to a lot of the things which are happening around the world and saying, actually, you know what, we can do this as well. So I think, you know, over the next 10 years, you're going to see a lot of that experimentation, which actually has already taken place and nobody's really talked about, uh, beginning to come come through. Uh, so I think you, you'll see a widening of the flavour offering uh, in, in Scotch, uh, which is hugely exciting. But I don't think it's going to be easy for it. Uh, because there's some amazing whiskies getting made all around the world. Yeah. Uh, so Scotch no longer has it to itself, uh, and that's a good thing for that. I think that'll really spur people on. I think for me, it's you've done what's going to happen in Scotch, but I think it's going to be the, the continuation of what is already happening in the on trade. Um, bartenders continuing to use positive languages, more experience around Scotch. The end result that actually gets handed to the consumer will vary as much as the actual scotch itself does and flavour at the start. You're going to get way more positive language. You're going to, it's going to become way more welcoming. I would be absolutely blown away if every bar in the UK doesn't have a high ball on 
in the next. We know it's already happening, but it's almost it's on the cusp of being on the vernacular. It's just so accessible and consumers, it feels like they're just almost there. They're beginning to ask for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I'd yeah. be absolutely blown away if you didn't see absolute tidal wave of, of amazing highballs, which in turn will lead to more experimentation within not only neat Scotch drinking, Scotch and rocks, but other Scotch cocktails. I think it's okay. where it feels like like the ball's been rolling now for a while, and it literally feels like it's about to. Kind yeah, of no, I, 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 I agree, and I, I think the I think certainly as far as the UK is concerned, I think you'll continue to see an evolution of uh, the whiskey bar. You know what Andy Gemmell's doing with the Gate in Glasgow, which is just this amazing bar, which is also a pub, and which is kind of taking little bits and pieces from the great whiskey pubs around. Glasgow and, and kind of just adding a little cocktail offering onto it, mm. and I think, I think just being more relaxed about whiskey, uh, and actually talking about it in in a non-pressured environment, uh, you know, so you don't feel that you have to have passed an exam uh, before you actually ask for one behind the uh, you know from the bartender. I think that's that's going to change. I think that's hugely hugely positive. Yeah. I think it's like that. Old so we I, I use it all the time that analogy you walk into a bar and no one's actually you walk in and you get like we've got two hundred whiskies, right? And nobody tells you how to navigate them. And we talk about it because it's good to build the context of our of the talks and the, the things that we're trying to pitch. But the reality is that that's actually becoming less and less and less. And it is becoming far, far more welcoming, which mm. is is super encouraging. Even up in Scotland who Historically, are terrible at it. <laughs> I mean, what would you say was the optimum number of bottles, or what would the maximum number of bottles of whiskey in a bar? I don't think b- before you get kind of dusk gatherers. Well, I think it's much better to to keep the number to a minimum, but to rotate because yeah. then for both guests and for the bar team, there's a talking point, there's interest, there's there's new things happening. I think you can get around most of the different flavour profiles of Scotland. You know, different cask types. Smoky versus not, um, you know, light, grassy, nutty, malty, and so on, with with thirty to fifty bottles. But it depends on the type of bar you're trying to operate, right? And, and depends on the clientele that are coming in. And some people will want their favourite drams to be available to them at all times. And so then perhaps you've got core bottlings that you need to keep in stock at all time. I'd love to see someone doing like a, you know, like what Dino has done at Hatcher. Hmm. So Hatcher's, yeah, Hatcher, the, the, Hatcher, yeah, the, the new tequila bar, yeah, um, in London. Like a really trim selection that is constantly rotating, mm-hmm. and literally you you don't see the same bottle in there for like another six months, and it's just it's super hard to run with how bars operate with 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 companies now that sell mm-hmm. whiskey. But I think I'd love to see that, like a really really trim, and people go to see what you've got, not to go and to fall back into their safety jam. They go in and if everything has a cocktail and a a food pairing, then you're going for that kind of all-round experience and just something that's proper trim. I think it also depends on how you're actually selling it to your guests. You know, if you've got this vast collection but you're not making any effort to guide people through different flavours and regions or whatever it might be, then they are going to get confused and there's absolutely no point in having so many. It's really just bragging rights and a kind of spectacle, a visual spectacle of three or 400 bottles. Whereas, you know, if you're actually guiding people through these different styles, helping them pin down what it is they might like to taste, or perhaps asking them to reference drams they've liked before, it doesn't really matter how many you've got. You can have 10 or you can have 1,000. Um, you're selling it the right way yeah. at that point. 
I think to totally contradict myself, and it's really hard not to call it out after hearing you talk like that, is it's hard to have this conversation without talking about the pot still, mm -hmm. who are <clears throat> probably the greatest bar in the world <clears throat> for doing that. They have mm -hmm. 200 bottles swing, but whenever you walk in there, you've got a member of staff that asks you exactly... This is in Glasgow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what have you had for dinner? What kind of crisps do you like? What, um, what kind of beer are you going to have with it? And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you've taken that... Seven, eight hundred bottle bar down to five right. that are right for you, mm -hmm. and that is that's the kind of a, it's almost it's pales in significance. It doesn't actually matter how many bottles you've got, as long as your staff are educated like that way. Exactly what you spoke about. Yeah, right. I've got one more surprise dram for you to try. Um, so I was in um, BCB, the Bar Convent Berlin, um, doing a little bit of work with the. Diageo whiskey team um, and one of the uh, things they're doing at the moment is around the prestige uh, blends within the Johnny Walker portfolio and they're doing a tasting on the new Midnight blend that was launched um, which is a blend of basically old expressions I think it's a uh, 28 year old um, 28 year old age statement on the bottle um, and it's quite cool they do a tasting um, and you taste it and you go, wow, that's rather rather special. But what they're also doing is tasting some of the distillery components that go into that blend. So we tried a few different whiskies, Canvas 40 being the grain component, Kalila 25, um, and a bunch of different uh, different whiskies that were all previous special releases, more or less, or they're just high-age statement expressions from, from the core portfolio of Diageo distilleries. And then you get to blend them yourself. So we were blending together rather expensive whiskies. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> um, to, in, in a kind of take-home bottle. And I've got uh, 100 ml of my particular blend oh, wow. here for you to try. That you have blended us. You, Tristan Stevenson, <laughs> have blended us a whiskey. Try a little bit, see what you think, and I'll tell you roughly what was in it. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in a way... I, look, there's an art to blending, of course. You can mess it up. I hate to see it, but yeah. That's really good. We do, really, we really do good. blending masterclasses quite a lot. And um, obviously, like, the biggest thing is that it's, it, it's hard. And we always kind of manage people's expectations when they're doing it. It's like, you're probably going to get this wrong. Mm. Um, that's really annoying. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I've got people usually overload it with smoke. Yeah. You know? Uh, no, that's great. Beautiful, There's a little bit of cleaner in there. Beautiful balance. Um, yeah. And then the majority of it is... There was about 30% canvas, 40. Um, so that was obviously the grain. A lot of the sweetness comes through from there. There's some um, Glenkinchy 24 in there as well. Not a lot. Um, and then some Klein Leash, which happens to be my favourite distillery in all of Scotland. It's very good. Very, very good. Thank you, gentlemen. I, can't um, believe I, know, you, I know you wouldn't say that if it wasn't true, so uh, I'm grateful. can't believe we're going to end this session by applauding him. I know. <laughs> well, actually, we're not. It's not over just yet. Because <laughs> to finish up, we have Quickfire Round. <laughs> I'm in. And it's, 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 called quick, it's called Quickfire. However, you, you can... Elaborate on your answers as you much take as, as long as you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not too long. Um, no, you can give a one-word answer, or you can you can elaborate on a little bit. Um, this isn't whiskey specific. This is the same quick-fire questions that are asked to all guests on the podcast. Okay. So, question number one: What is your desert island cocktail? A cocktail? I thought you were going to say whiskey. That's easy. Cocktail? Uh, if a highball's a cocktail, highball. You can go with that. That's fine. Yeah. Highball or Body Mary? Soda. 
soda water because you're going to get dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. Or, or or if I'm on a desert island, I, I'd go for coconut water because there'd be a plentiful supply. There of coconuts. you go. This is good. I probably I probably wouldn't take my pina colada. It's <laughs> 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 not a dentist on the desert island. <laughs> Okay, good. Um, so the inverse of that question, what is the cocktail that you think needs burying in the ground? We never make again. Should never curse a bar with its presence. I espresso martini. Ooh, interesting. Because it's very interesting. Because it's not a martini and I hate coffee. <laughs> I'll tell you why it's interesting. And it's just not a nice drink. On the first episode of this podcast, uh, we had a guest on, Jamie Jones, and that was his Desert Island cocktail. Well, there you are. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> Who's right? Ivan? <laughs> uh, up until uh, Mexico World Class, I would have said the Rob Roy. Um, and then Manabu, um, the world class champion from Japan, made me one. It's maybe not right that it should be buried. It should just be given a wee bit more consideration. They reach into a rail, they pour whatever blend of whiskey they've got, they get their vermouth, and it's just there's no thought put in it. They should be exactly the same process as identifying which whiskey people enjoy. It yep. should be a it should be a more diverse cocktail. It shouldn't be just three ingredient bashed together nonsense. And it's just I think it's just how how badly people how it's made badly sometimes. Yeah. Right. Question number three: uh, If you could only drink in one bar or pub or place for the rest of your years, where would it be? Potstill. Potstill in Glasgow. It's going to be in Glasgow. It's. It's probably the Lauriston, the Lauriston Ooh, in Glasgow. Good call. Um, it's pub. Yeah. Proper pub. Yeah. And final question. Who would be your ultimate wingman to tend bar with on a shift? Can be dead or alive and doesn't have to be an industry person. Be anyone. David Bowie. <laughs> David Byrne. Oh! <laughs> The signal party. <laughs> signal disco. <laughs> That's nice. Uh... <laughs> Fantastic stuff. All right, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate you coming in on the podcast. Hey, Had a, a wonderful time. Um, I really hope we can just do this again. Um, recorded or, un- or unrecorded. It's a lot of fun spending time with you. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Bar Chat. Visit diageobaracademy.com for access to more podcast episodes and exclusive content. See you next time. <laughs>